Good morning, Kate Chapel. This is the day that the Lord has made, and we are rejoicing, and we are glad in it. But before we do anything else this morning, I'd like to take this time to give honor to our Father in heaven above, to Pastor Buckley and our First Lady, Dr. Lucretia Buckley, to our ministers and pastors present during this occasion, and to all members and guests who have logged on with us this morning. Today is Women's Day here at Cade Chapel, and it also happens to be the first day of spring. Now, under normal circumstances, Cade Chapel would be filled with women in white attire and their beautiful pink corsages, really symbolizing the blossoms and the beautiful blooms of springtime. And women, if you did not know, your beauty reflects our Father and Creator above. So, happy Women's Day here at church, and I pray that you will enjoy this service today. We'll begin our service with a scripture and prayer by Sister Gwen Richmond. Good morning. Ecclesiastes chapter 3, verse 1 reads, To everything there is a season, and a time to every purpose under the heaven. Please bow for prayer. Lord God, we thank you for this day that you have made, that we would rejoice and be glad in it. We thank you for waking us this morning to a brand new day that we've never seen before and will not see again. We thank you for this K Chapel family, all of its members. Lord, we thank you for our pastor and his family. We thank you, Lord God, that you just continue to watch over us, that you continue to guide us, that you continue to keep us safe and in your care. We thank you, Lord God, for this past year, we have had so much loss, Lord, but we still have something to praise you about. We thank you, Lord God, that you give us breath to breathe, Lord. You give us an ear to hear and a heart to seek you in all of our ways. We pray, Master, that you would continue to watch over us, guide us, help us to be more like you and less of ourselves, to walk more in the spirit and less in the flesh. We thank you, Lord God, that you continue to wrap your arms around us. We pray, Lord God, for this Woman's Day program that you would just keep your arms wrapped around us to help us to do the things that you would have us to do, all the while glorifying your name. We thank you, Master. We cannot make it without you, and we just pray that you continue to help us to stand strong for you, Master, no matter if we stand alone. We thank you. We praise you. In Jesus' name, amen. Please join us in your home sanctuaries and stand as we sing our congregational hymn, This Is My Mission.
with the Lord with integrity, knowing her purpose and her destiny. No matter what happens, she walks in God's love, reflecting the beauty of her father above. Now that is what I call a godly woman. I greet you in the name of Jesus Christ. Welcome as we all have come to celebrate all the women in the world. When we look back to the women of faith mentioned in the Bible, Starting from Rahab all the way down to the mother of Jesus, we can discover the role the women play in the life of Jesus. As we mark this day as a church, we want to first thank those who are no longer with us who have set examples and left their mark. We also want to thank those who still grace this earth for what you are currently doing. Part of the purpose of K Chapel is to give visible form to that faith and fellowship to which God has called his people. As a woman, I know God has called us for a purpose. And part of that purpose is what we're doing here today. During this day here in our church, we have arranged to show you what a woman can do and why we are the forefront to make sure the gospel is reaching to the unreachable areas. To all the incredible women, shine on, not just today, but every day. And again, I send a massive welcome and a happy Women's Day. Oh, 
Chapel, there are three ways you can give, and they are shown right on your screen. So let's give liberally and cheerfully.
Lord, we thank you for this day. We thank you for the offering that has been taken for your kingdom. We thank you for all of those who have continued to send in their tithes and their offerings. We thank you, Lord, for just blessing them to do what you have called them to do. We can't not make it without you, Master. We need to be more and more and more reminded of why we do all that we do, for it is to your glory. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Good morning, K Chapel family. I'm I'm in my office and I'm just reflecting uh, as we celebrate Women's History Month. I'm reflecting on some of the uh, first as it relates to women in ministry and serving in this church. A uh, number of years ago, it was Sister Edith Cotter uh, who was the first female, the first woman to serve as a trustee for this church. Uh, Sister Gail Wright Lowry, the first woman to serve. Uh, as superintendent of our Sunday schools. Reverend Shirley Harrington, uh, the first woman to serve on the ministerial staff here at K Chapel. And this morning, I'm happy to announce uh, that we have the first woman uh, to be the business manager of our church, Sister Carol Dorsey. Sister Dorsey is no stranger to this church. In fact, uh, she served as the chair of the trustee ministry just uh, before being elevated to business manager, the first female chair. And so lots of firsts are still being made uh, by women who love the Lord, women who love this church, and women who sense the call of God upon their lives. So we salute you, Sister Carol Dorsey, our new business manager. What a blessing it is this morning to be able to welcome and fellowship into our church the newest members of K Chapel. You know, the body of Christ is so much larger than our building. And thanks be unto God that we're able to fellowship brothers and sisters who are united under the banner of Jesus Christ into this, our fellowship. So help me welcome Corey Scott, Shakia Norman, and Justin Stewart. Come on, K-Chapel, put those right hand of fellowship emojis into the chat line now and welcome these, our newest members. Let them know that you love them, you're praying for them, and that they are welcome here at K-Chapel. Good morning, K-Chapel family. Carissa McFarland Brown is a native of Meridian, Mississippi. The proud daughter of Kirby and Ruby McFarland, she is an educational product of the Meridian Public Schools, Russ College in Holly Springs, and the University of Mississippi School of Education in Oxford, Mississippi, and the University of Mississippi School of Law. Her academic credentials include bachelor degrees in mass communications and political science, a Master's of Education in Higher Education, and the Juris Doctor. Professionally, she has worked in the areas of public relations, radio and television, broadcasting, community college and university teaching, and college administration. Those positions have included producer and host of Conversations, a weekly talk show on WGRM 93.9 FM in Greenwood producer and host of Weekend Journal, a public affairs talk program on WABG-TV in Greenwood, and dean of the College of Graduate Studies at Mississippi Valley State University. 
Currently, she serves as the chair of the Department of Business Administration and is nearing her 25th year on the university's faculty. On the side, she is a consultant in the areas of education, team building, leadership, and servant leadership for churches, groups, organizations, and schools. A member of Providence Missionary Baptist Church in Greenwood, pastored by Reverend Jesse Payne, Jr., Dr. Brown faithfully serves as the minister of music and organist for the church's four choirs, a Sunday school teacher, and as one of the congregation's youth leaders. A servant leader beyond her local church, she serves as the General Missionary Baptist State Convention's Young People's Department as, a, as an instructor for the youth ministry leaders and has convened workshops for the Women's Auxiliary, the Washington County District Association, and the Congress of Christian Education. She is currently pursuing certification as a Dean of Christian Education. Her social and civic affiliations, current and former, include Delta Sigma Theta, Sorority Incorporated, the Greenwood LaFleur Chamber of Commerce, Rotary International, the LaFleur County School District Dropout Prevention Task Force, and the Greenwood LaFleur Committee on Racial Reconciliation. She has numerous awards for her contributions in the areas of education, community activism, and volunteerism. These include Parent of the Year, LaFleur County Elementary School, the LaFleur County School District, and the State of Mississippi, Providence's Woman of the Year, the Greenwood LaFleur Community Service Award, the Drum Major for Justice Award, and the Greenwood Commonwealth's Mother of the Year. This beautiful woman of God has been the devoted wife of Troy D. Brown Sr. for nearly 32 years. Together, they are the proud parents of four, Troy, Brandis, Solomon, and Kayla. Dr. Brown's greatest accomplishment is falling in love with Jesus.
me. Let some drops now fall on me. With reverence, honor, and glory to God, our creator, Jesus, our redeemer, and the Holy Spirit, our comforter. With appreciation for and in recognition of Pastor Buckley, the esteemed under-shepherd of this congregation, First Lady Buckley, church officers and administrators. With gratitude to Sister Carolyn White and the ladies of Cape Chapel who so graciously extended the invitation for me to share with you on this blessed Women's Day. I greet you. The privilege of your time and attention is one that I do not take for granted. My sincere prayer is that in the next few moments you find encouragement enlightenment, and inspiration for your Christian journey. I will preface this Women's Day message with a proposition that to have a true appreciation of our theme and its application in our lives, 
we must first have a true awareness of our identity. Now, those who have heard me before know where I'm going, so let it to you be a reminder. For those who have not heard me before, I offer it to you as empowerment. My message today is for women, but not just any women. Womanhood is unequivocally and indisputably established by certain gender markers. Whether our hair is grown or sewn, the timbre of our voices like bass drums or tinkling cymbals, our statutes pretty and petite or big and beautiful, our skin dark chocolate, gentle brown, or even a brilliant beige, physiologically, biologically, a woman is a woman. Then to our identity as women, we add what linguists call adjectives, descriptive words that transform us, redefine us based on our reasoning, our roles, our responsibilities, and our relationships. In the verses of the acclaimed poet Maya Angelou, we find the phenomenal woman. In the lyrics of Shaka Khan, we discover every woman. In the anthem of Alicia Keys, there is soup. Alicia Keys, there is superwoman. In the rhythm and the blues of Betty Wright, we are introduced to the cleanup woman. And a long time ago, the soul children told us about that sister content to be the other woman, as long as she was the only other woman. Then, lest we forget, there are church women. And during Sunday morning services, Wednesday night Bible studies, Saturday evening choir practices, and midweek revivals, adorned in their J. Renee pumps, Dooney and Burke and Brahmin bags, the Donna Vinci suits, Hanes silk reflection hosiery, Gucci perfumes, MAC cosmetics, Fashion Fair, and Mary Kay, if we look closely, we might just find the phenomenal woman, every woman, superwoman, the cleanup woman, and the other woman on the same pews. Those of us who are married take on the identity of our husbands. For 31 years, I've been referred to as Troy Brown's woman, and that's all right with me. He is mine, I'm his. He found a good thing, and so did I. While some of these descriptors, some of these identities may or may not be worn with pride, there is one that we can wear unconditionally, one that we can claim unashamedly. When we surrender our lives to Christ, when we walk in the light of his love and clothe ourselves in righteousness and holiness, then the love of God, the redeeming blood of our Savior, the presence of the Holy Spirit identifies us as God's women sanctified and set apart in our giving, in our living, in our gratitude, in our attitude, women striving to be like Jesus, Christian women. Having established our identity, I'll journey now further into our theme so that we understand our design and our destiny according to the word and the will of God. It's our season for we walk by faith and not by sight. When the theme for today's worship service was provided, I felt a sense of immediate relief. This one would not be hard to share. How difficult could it be to expound on the seasons in our lives as Christians, both Christian men and Christian women, and the imperative that we walk by faith rather than sight? 
Yet before I could revel in my relief, the Holy Spirit reminded me that there is a new normal, a normal far from simple, even for those with a made-up mind and heaven in their view. In this new normal, more than 500,000 citizens in the United States and more than 2 million citizens of the world have died from a disease that runs rampant around the globe. Mothers and fathers, grandmothers and grandfathers are dying alone. Children are suffering at a higher rate than normal from anxiety and depression. Black men are dying in the streets. Young people are being lured away from home by predators on social media, and adult children are broadcasting arguments with their parents. Men, women, boys, and girls are being trafficked for sex. Schools and churches are closed. Once upon a time, a call from school meant a child was in trouble. But in this new normal, a call from school means a teacher is in trouble. Our nation can be led by an individual whose boast is the ability to grab women by their private parts. Alternative facts have replaced the gospel truth. There are water crises not only in third world countries, but in our neighborhoods. A new normal. If I were to borrow from a sermon outline prepared by Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. for youth Sunday services of the Women's Convention Auxiliary of the National Baptist Convention in 1958, I would describe this new normal as one characterized by midnight. Midnight in the social order, the psychological order, and the moral order. Why did Dr. King use the analogy of midnight? At midnight, he proposed, colors lose their distinctiveness. Lines are blurred. At midnight, socially, psychologically, and morally, nothing is absolutely right and nothing is absolutely wrong. Everything is relative. It all depends. The only really right thing is to get by. The only really wrong thing is to get caught. As I reflected on this new normal Women of Kate Chapel, I realized that your Women's Day theme is much more intricate than it might first appear. Because of this, I decided to employ a strategy used by language teachers to teach compound words. We will utilize what educators refer to as morphological awareness, our ability to identify and manipulate the smallest units of meaning within a word to facilitate understanding and comprehension. In other words, I'll take it apart so we may understand how it works together. It's our season where we walk by faith and not by sight. It's our season. On its face, that proclamation inspires jubilation. I urge you, however, to proceed with caution. The word season has several definitions a proper or suitable time, an indefinite or unspecified time. Each of the four divisions of the year marked by particular weather patterns and daylight hours resulting from the earth's changing position with regard to the sun. As a verb, to season means to add spices to foods or to make wood suitable for use as timber by adjusting its moisture content to that environment in which it will be used. For TV fanatics, a season is a set or sequence of related television programs. I'm a country girl, and in our house, you season the cast iron skillet to protect it from rust.
But a common denominator in all of these definitions is that seasons change. And the process of seasoning changes things. The writer who authored Ecclesiastes chapter 3 verse 1, our theme verse, understood this common denominator. King Solomon, to whom authorship is credited, was a man who at the time of this writing had been some places. He'd seen and done some things. The biblical account is that the first 20 years of his reign were spent in construction, seven years building the temple, and 13 years completing a palace for himself, his wives, and his governance. First Kings chapter 10 lets us know that he acquired significant wealth, that he exceeded all the kings of the earth for riches and for wisdom, and all the earth sought to Solomon to hear his wisdom, which God had put in his heart. After 30 years into his reign as king, according to a commentator, King Solomon has a perspective on his life. He's done everything that a person in that period had ever wanted to do. He has at his disposal unlimited wisdom, unlimited wealth, an unlimited expense account, 700 wives, 300 concubines, wine, exotic food, everything his heart might desire. He is one who, in my mother's words, has done everything he was big and bad enough to do. So King Solomon is in a position to say with authority in chapter 3, verse 1, to everything there is a season and a time for every purpose under the heaven. He could with authority and from experience let us know that there will be birth and death, killing and healing, planting and harvest, tears and laughter, edification and desecration, putting away and gathering, embracing and refrain from embracing, wins and losses, a time to keep and a time to let go, war and peace. In the poetic words of Frankie Beverly and Mays, there will be joy and pain, sunshine and rain. The message from King Solomon is a descriptive one, not a prescriptive one. He's telling it like it is. He's making it crystal clear that in life there will be uncertainty. There will be ordinary and extraordinary moments. Yet in this chapter, he stops short of telling us what to do about it, short of the prescriptive. Why is this information important at this hour? Because we must understand that declaring it is our season does not exempt us from trouble. In fact, these words have the power to comfort the afflicted and the power to afflict the comfortable. In the season of affliction, they remind us that weeping may endure for a night, but joy comes in the morning, that God's grace is sufficient for everything that comes our way, and that his power is made perfect in our weakness. But in our season of comfort, they are a reminder that every good and perfect gift comes from above, that in all things God works for the good of those who love him, those who have been called according to his purpose. They also remind us that we are not saved by our works, but saved to do the work of him who sent us, the one who set us in our homes, 
in our communities, on our jobs, to make a positive difference and to effect the change needed so desperately in this world. While King Solomon offered the description of life with all its twists and turns, it was Paul, in his second letter to the Christian community that he founded at Corinth, Greece, who provided the prescriptive response to life. We walk by faith, not by sight. This is the second part of our compound theme. Walking by faith, however, is more than knowledge of the scriptures. It's more than church on Sunday and Bible study on Thursday and choir practice every other Tuesday. It is more than material possessions, titles, and positions. Now, in case this statement gives you pause or causes you to stumble, let me be clear. There's nothing wrong with the benefits God allows and provides as rewards for dedication, determination, diligence, and hard work. There's nothing wrong with growth and prosperity and progress. None of us get up in the morning and hitch a mule to a wagon to go where we want to go. The caveat according to the word, is that God desires that our priority is the prosperity of our souls. One gospel songwriter suggested, when it's all said and when it's all done, Cadillacs can't drive us home to glory. Diamonds won't make us shine in his eyes. The first requisite of a faith walk is faith. Complete trust complete confidence in the God we serve because of and in spite of faith. Even if he doesn't deliver, I know he is able to deliver faith. Sometimes, like Peter, we have a propensity for taking our eyes off of the one who has the power of heaven and earth in his hands. Instead of focusing on God, we focus on folk. Instead of leaning on the rock of our salvation, we lean on our own understanding. Instead of trusting God, the creator, we put our confidence in man, the creation. Instead of seeing ourselves through the eyes of God and by his standards, we see ourselves through the lens of the world and we fall short of our purpose, God's glory. But when we focus our hearts and our attitudes on God, the vision becomes clear. When we choose to follow the direction God has ordained in and for our lives, obediently, without wavering, our steps are ordered by God and our course travel not by fate, but by faith. But why not cite Brown? Why isn't it enough to solely rely on what we can see? Because what we see is not always what is. You don't believe me? Ask the devoted husband or spouse, who is abused at the hands of their spouse, yet considers that an expression of love. What we see is not always what is. Ask the family member you thought had it all together, the one you thought just knew had it going on, yet they suffered a mental and emotional breakdown. Ask that coworker who watches the same news you watch but insists that racism is a myth, that everybody has the same opportunity, that one who by his or her own admission is colorblind, you know, the one who sees no color. What we see can be misleading. And for this reason, as Christians, as believers, we are commanded to walk by faith, not by sight. 
By sight, we see the seasons changing. By faith, we know that in the midst of it all, in the midst of every season, God is there. His presence is eternal. His promises are true. His goodness and mercy are constant companions. By sight, we worry about tomorrow. But by faith, by faith, we know there's no need to worry. The Bible is still the infallible word of God. Prayer still wins. The Holy Spirit still moves. God still inhabits the praises of his people. There is still room at the cross for me and for you. By sight, we sometimes grow weary in well-doing. We're tossed and driven by the restless sea of time. Summer skies and howling tempests all succeed a bright sunshine, but by faith we rest well because we know God is in control. We have no need to fear. By sight, the conditions in this world overtake us, appear to overtake and overwhelm us despite our intellect, our abilities, our talents, and our technologies. But by faith, we're confident that God has made everything beautiful in his time. Even the painful things are allowed so that he may be glorified. By sight, we can't handle the pressures of this world. But by faith, God can trust us with trials because we walk worthy of the vocation, the purpose to which we've been called. By sight, we can't see the cure to COVID, the solution to crises in education, healthcare, the economy, race relations, families, communities, but by faith, we confidently wait with patience for the full revelation of God's providence. By sight, we grow weary in the work. We're hurt in the church as we attempt to do God's work by people who call themselves saints. But by faith, we're revived in our spirits and renewed in our commitment because the God we serve is omniscient, omnipotent, omnipresent, infallible, unchanging, sovereign. He won't leave or forsake us. We're confident that he is the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. By sight, the days ahead seem dim, even dark at times. But a few weeks ago, Kate Chapel, I heard your distinguished pastor say, by faith, better and brighter days are coming. When we walk by faith and not by sight, every season is our season. And we can declare with boldness, we can declare with boldness, God, I'm ready. Have your way in me. I'm taking the limits off of you. Enlarge my view. I may not see a way, but I know you'll make a way. Father, today I declare my trust in you. I trust your faithfulness. I trust your goodness. I know that you're working things out in my favor and in your timing. I declare that through faith and patience, I will inherit every promise you have for me. I recognize, Father God, that the journey has molded me for the greater good. It was exactly what it needed to be. I didn't lose time. It took every situation, every season I have encountered to bring me to my right now. Finally, beloved, we can declare with boldness, when peace like a river attendeth my way, when sorrows like sea billows roll, whatever my lot, thou hast taught me to say, it is well 
It is well with my soul. Though Satan should buffet, though trials should come, let this blessed assurance control that Christ hath regarded my helpless estate and hath shed his own blood for my soul. My sin, oh, the bliss of this glorious thought. My sin, not in part, but the whole, is nailed to the cross, and I bear it no more. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord, O oh my soul. Lord, haste the day when the faith shall be sight. The clouds be rolled back as a scroll. The trump shall resound. The Lord shall descend. Even so, it is well with my soul. It is our season. For we walk by faith and not by sight. God, have your way today in my life. If you're without a church home and need a place to fellowship, we invite you at this time to call the number that is on the screen and give the person your name, and they will be happy to accept you. We invite each of you to come now where we worship, we grow, and we connect. And we ask God to have his way in your life. You're invited to come at this time. It is our season, for we walk by faith and not by sight. Ladies, this is still our season, our season to let our light shine as we journey to places we never traveled before, our season to use our faith to unleash God's work and wonders in the lives of others, our season to proclaim the gospel to a city and a world desperately in need, our season to prepare ourselves to take steps to do whatever God has called us to do. On behalf of K Chapel Women's Mission Ministry, I am elated to greet you with good news. In spite of the pandemic that caused us to eliminate our regular weekly Women's Day activities, with God's help, we have still prevailed. Ladies from the circle of temperance, circle of faith, circle of gentleness, circle of meekness, the circle of charity, and the women of faith answered calls to serve meals to the community on Thursday and Friday. 
And now we're here at this time in this sacred place for an enriching program that has moved us closer to our God. We have increased our knowledge of him as we listen to the message from our speaker, a woman that takes joy in sharing her faith walk, Dr. Carissa Brown. Dr. Brown has reminded us that we as women, we must be aware of who we are. And as Christian women, we must wear the label, uh, unconditional label of God's women and try to be more like Jesus. During this walk, we will have uncertainties, joy and pain, but regardless to the season, we must continue to be more like Jesus. Dr. Brown, thank you for sharing, accepting our invitation to share God's word with us. We have been spiritually edified by your message, and it will live in our hearts and inspire us daily. Thank you. To all who served in any capacity to make this day a success, I extend a heartfelt thank you, and may God bless all of you abundantly. I must acknowledge the ladies of the mission ministry. Throughout this season of uncertainty, you have graciously answered the calls to serve. Thank you from the bottom of my heart for your support and assistance over the years. A special thanks is extended to our beloved Pastor Reginald Buckley for his unconditional support, encouragement, and prayers. Thanks to each of you for worshiping with us today. I pray that our Heavenly Father will go with you and bless all you do. This is our season, and we will continue to walk in it. Good morning to each of you, my brothers and sisters in Christ. I greet you in the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus, who is the Christ. To our missionary president, Sister Carolyn White. To our state women's auxiliary president, Sister Mary Coleman. To all who provide leadership for our women's ministry and missionary circles. What a wonderful day this is and has been. I thank God for you who are providing leadership on so many different levels to make sure that the word of God, to make sure that also the lessons of our Lord are exemplified in tangible, real ways. Thank God for your service, for your commitment to Christ, for your devotion to his church. Let it be known that K Chapel Missionary Baptist Church, and for that matter, any other church, would not be what it is or where it is, were it not for strong women, women who have been serving, women who have been ministering, women who have been leading the charge of the church and advancing the kingdom of God. And so on behalf of the pastor of this church and all of its members, we thank God for you. We pray for you and we celebrate you and what you are and what you mean to the body of Christ. God bless you. We love you. Let us stand now for the benediction. May the grace of God and the sweet communion of the Holy Spirit rest, rule, and abide with each of you today and always. Amen. Go in peace. Be safe. Amen.